in AI, you always say like, <laughs> very bluntly, like shit in, shit out. So if you have bad training data, you cannot build models that are doing a very good job. Um, so the biggest challenge to answer your question would probably be... Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. My name is Bastian Kavik. I'm the CEO and founder at Ecobot and you are listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Bastian. Hi, Josef. Nice to be here. It's great to have you here. And first thing first, we start with the elevator pitch. What does your company do? Sure. Um, so Ecobot is a B2B SaaS company that is in the sales intelligence space. So basically, we analyze and find company and contact data uh, for our customers to craft their ICP and help them sell more of what they are selling products or services. So in the US, that would be like Zoom Info, if you heard about them. And we strive to be the European market leader for um, for that service. A great goal. And this leads me into the thing you have just been through. You just merged with Leadfeeder and got an investment of 180 million euros from leading Great Hill Partners. Please tell me more about this. Yeah, it was an exciting year. Like we are recording this at uh, 22nd of December. And like just yesterday, we had the Christmas party um, for the entire company. It was uh, a mixed thing between a Zoom call and uh, a present event here in our headquarters. And Pekka, the co-founder of uh, Leadfeeder, he pulled up this uh, appointment in his calendar where uh, a year ago on December 21st, 2021, we had the first uh, introductionary call. So uh, the story goes like this, that we were both very uh, fast growing startups like Leadfeeder. Uh, if you don't know them, we are basically now a, a web visitor intelligence solution. So um, you can see like who is visiting your website. So to like reach out to those customers better and, and close more deals as well. And we have been both on a trajectory, a uh, growth trajectory and um, looking for funding. So uh, we ended up with, with Great Hill Partners uh, talking both of us individually to them and they said, hey, you guys should meet. This this fits really well together. And uh, a year ago, that was the first meeting. I was actually skiing in the Alps and um, having like from, from the cabin in the woods, basically a, a phone call with a very bad um, Wi-Fi uh, reception with a very shaky video. But like Pekka and I, we, we really hit it off and um, talked for, I think, an hour and a half uh, and learning about each other's companies. And uh, we have been both very similar, like 10 years in the market, B2B SaaS growing really rapidly. But there was also some quite interesting um, differences, like Leadfeeder is a PLG company. We are more like SLG. They are like uh, fully remote, uh, international. We are headquartered in Germany and still had, back at the day, uh, mostly German 
speaking employee uh, employees. Um, so we wanted to grow uh, as a company into that position and, and lead feeder wanted to uh, get more up market also with uh, more applications in the platform so we we spend like three four months uh, together bringing the teams together after that first phone call uh, first in Helsinki uh, Finland then in Karlsruhe Germany and and um, basically building um, a joint vision for the merged company and pitched that to Great Hill again. And uh, we were glad that uh, they accepted and invested in us. So uh, we have now um, yeah, a big capital injection and are building the sales intelligence platform of the future, which will be launched in early Q2 next year. Exciting. One year from today that you started. Wow, that, yeah, that, that was. Yeah, so we, we actually announced the merger um, internally in May. So it took us five months, uh, like three months to uh, actually actually get to a good strategy and, and, and outlook of the mission. And then another two months to make everything happen with the due diligence and the contracts and so on. Ah, okay. So starting June, July, we really merged the companies, like integrated the first teams, announced it obviously. And um, then we had everybody flown to uh, split in Croatia, like 275 people at the time were all there uh, for the first time meeting each other like physically at least so digitally we obviously had met so um, since then we have been hard at integrating the systems uh, building processes joining platforms um, and have been uh, also running our businesses like also still individually lead feeder and ecobot on the side because you need to still grow right so yeah. uh, but it's it's an exciting year and and i'm so happy when we when next year will become one company and we actually will get a new brand if you um, haven't uh, heard that like it is not public but uh, we decided that we will create something new um, from the merger and not have one company gobble up the other but the interesting bit here is maybe like why we choose to do so so our thinking was that we wanted to after 10 years with a great team with a great investment with a product market fit with a platform and products that are selling really well uh, build something amazing like this new sales and marketing go to market platform for europe and um, to do this we wanted to align everybody behind uh, one identity and i think it's really hard these mergers because at some point you like there's good things about it for example for every solution you have like two uh, for every problem you have two sets of solutions so you can look like hey how did you solve this how did we solve this and then yeah. pick one that is better um but in other cases you might like nobody might be happy with their solution so in in case of the crm we will pick a new one and then migrate all of that uh, to a joint new crm but then others like these identity topics they're really tricky because like um, everybody's coming like then from um, a legacy company, if you will, and, and you cannot shake this off easily. So we wanted to create something new for the for the people and also for the market to not see uh, the legacy web visitor tool or the legacy EchoBot tool uh, with the data, but actually see us as a platform because we are not individual products anymore. And also the, the people on the team to align behind that common vision and identity. That is why we are giving ourselves a new name. And we have just announced it internally yesterday, yeah. so it's an exciting time, but I can't tell you yet. Sadly. No, I understand. <laughs> but now I'm really curious. <laughs> and uh, Bastian, moving on, uh, starting from the beginning, how did you end up with the idea of Ecobot? 
that's a good question. So we we are we started not with the idea of a sales intelligence platform. That's uh, why I think that's an interesting question because we actually started as a media monitoring company. So if you in the Nordics know Meltwater, for example, or Cision, um, they are what we were like we, we were looking for brand mentions on the web and in social media but then at some point we found out wow we are sitting on a treasure trove of data like if you analyze public data about companies like their websites their trade register uh, records their social media profiles you can really learn a lot about these companies like how are they doing are they growing are they uh, declining do they let go of people do they like expand into new countries do they launch new products so the data itself that we were collecting about these companies which much was much more interesting than just telling them hey look somebody wrote something about you so we pivoted the entire company um after like two three years onto this new idea of saying hey we want to actually cater uh, to the to the sales and marketing people in the organization and help them grow their business through the database that we have been curating and not telling them about their own like brand reputation because that's not as interesting as as doing that sales intelligence piece so um like it was very obvious when one customer came to us and said hey like i'm selling forklifts i need to know who is building a warehouse can you tell me that and we're like yeah the crawler can do this or the the, the search engine that we built and then uh, f- from there it started rolling and we were like all in on this and raised the series a to to build the tech and the ai tools and so on and um, yeah that was that thank you for sharing it's a great story from the period yeah how long did the period from you hearing from some customers to you actually took a decision how was that transition yeah so actually like we still have customers from the media monitoring area because we still have the product right we built the product and we but that's not our focus anymore so the transition really uh, was that we would use that money that we made from these customers and um to to be a bit specific more to your audience like we we charge annual um deals up front so this is how we we grew most of it like this we did one series a which we used for creating the technology to do it but then all of the um the company grows until like the great hill investment was actually bootstrapped after that so not really bootstrapped but after that 750k it's public um csa that we did like eight years ago uh, all of the growth was fueled by our own um, revenue so uh, we could do this because we charged annually upfront um, and used the money then to build that new technology and the new products on the side so actually that first product like was phased out over time and still going to some degree but it, it basically funded the development of the of the new business cool a little bit like netflix when they shifted from dvds to streaming <laughs> exactly uh, now Bastian, i want to know a fun fact I want to know a fun fact about yourself that most people don't know about. <laughs> the interesting fun fact, the most interesting is probably that I wrote a children's book. <laughs> so during COVID times, um, my son was like two or three years and I, I put him to bed every every year, uh, every day, sorry. And um, he wa- always wanted me to to read these uh, stories. And, and at, at the time, like I, I, I ran out of books. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, and then we just invented these stories and and one was about a little duck on a pond and like he loved the story so but i told retold it every evening because he wanted to hear it and then like he was correcting me and like no the duck didn't do this it did do the other thing so <laughs> I, I i wrote it up so i wouldn't mix it up again because he would get mad at me um and then at some point I, I said well it cannot be so hard to actually publish this so i reached out to an illustrator and then we started working on that this was uh, also like during 2020 COVID times and then i got into this uh, self-publishing thing a bit but i thought like it's a children's book it has to be like haptic you you have to touch it it has to feel good so I actually properly printed it and and produced like i don't know four thousand copies or something some of them are still sitting in my garage so i'm not a very successful children's book author but um i had great fun doing it yeah wow this was a great fun fact wow <laughs> children book author bastian and cool story and thank you for sharing and you can get it for free on Amazon, like it's a, as an ebook at least. So if you go there and search my name, but it's in German. So if you want to brush up your German or learn it, then it's a great opportunity. Otherwise, uh, it wouldn't help you. <laughs> understand, understand. Yeah, this means that it's time for us to move into uh, the section of leadership. And Bastian, first thing here, are you a good leader? <laughs> that is not for me to say, but actually this question was posed uh, to a group of the sea level during our uh, retreat in Croatia, as I just mentioned. And at least they uh, said that I uh, did a good job thus far, like leading the two companies uh, into being uh, a new thing and, and being the group CEO of that. Yeah, but, I, but I'm learning every day still, like as all the leaders, I, uh, I suppose. And uh, when I say, are you, are you a good leader? I know that it's really hard for you to answer it yourself, but I need to get the flow going because I want us to lead into the next thing here. I want to know about your superpowers. Since your C-level team told you that you are doing a good job, can you please specify one to three of your superpowers? Yeah, so, so the first thing is uh, you need to know like, when to step in and um, when to trust people. So a lot of times it's about managing your own time and managing your own priorities. And um, if you have leaders uh, in your team that you can trust, then you can uh, oftentimes step away, but then you need to also be very mindful about um, when when things are uh, not progressing in the right direction and then you need to step in and, and, and having this constant dance of like diving deep or like looking up and and uh, at the broader strategy and uh, per get, getting perspective for the business uh, i think that is something that um, we have managed really well over the last 10 years i would say that was one superpower if you would say one or two more maybe what would that be? I don't know if it's a superpower, but I can be really obsessive. So, like with the children's book, like how hard can it be to 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 publish such a thing, right? So, and and then you like go down this rabbit hole, and from time to time, this can be really bad as a leader because you're not supposed to then um, get into the nitty gritty. But like, I I also feel that this is a strong thing. So, for example, I I still can code and. Uh, they don't let me anymore, which is good. But at least I, 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 I'm interested. So I, like, in my spare time, from time to time, do these experiments where I like build a machine learning model just because, like, I'm curious. Like, I want to see these things. Like recently, I've dug deep into these 
AI technologies like also ChatGPT and Midjourney and what 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 have you, just out of curiosity. And I, and I have great fun in these things. And 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 if they are business related as well, so I'm not bored about like like business is. Uh, fun to me, like always has been. Like it's it's not work to me, honestly. In a lot of cases, obviously it's stressful, but but I take great joy out of uh, like solving things or coming up with a good, cool marketing play or like also doing like giving suggestions to the teams. Maybe that's a superpower if you want to. Yeah, I think that's. Super. I heard I heard that from a couple of other leaders also that they said they they can get really obsessed with a thing and really just like you just said. And then when they feel okay, now I master this field enough, then the experts come in and they will take over. Like yes, like you said. Yeah. So you need you you need a, a decent level of understanding of everything. So so I'm like this uh, expert, like master of none, or how is that saying? Like um, I I know everything. At least in 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 what what uh, it takes to run our company. Well, I, I I would say I could probably do most of the jobs myself, at least to a decent degree, so that I would understand what's happening. Like I can do cold calling, I can do coding, I can do customer service, I can also do finance and and whatnot. So I can do everything good enough to to have an opinion. But I'm I, I wouldn't want to do everything because there's many people that are much better than me, obviously, at do, doing these things. Yeah, spot on. And uh, now we should focus then from uh, positive angles and superpowers to a bit more negative angle. I want to hear about the worst thing because everything isn't just happy clappy. What would you say is the worst things about being a leader? Two things I um, can think of. Like one is it never gets less work. So you always have the illusion of, hey, next year when we have this and that project finished, then we will have time to breathe. And then the, the next thing is just popping up. So like you have this constant like urgency uh, to to everything in the business that is never going away. So um, if you are out there and you, you are a leader and thinking like, yeah, next year it's going to be better. It's not. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be more work like every year. Uh, so that's the that's one. And the other one is just like, um, like sometimes I, and I posted about this on LinkedIn, I, I have like uh, problems uh, sleeping. So I'm kind of like a night owl type of personality, but then also like my head is just racing with thoughts. Like it, it is hard to, to shut them off at times. And um, then you have to, again, be like sharp in the morning um, the next day, which is hard if you have uh, been up until like 4 a.m. thinking about stuff work-related. What is your best best practice here to tackle this? Because this is a huge problem for so many people. I know. And honestly, there is, uh, I tried solutions like uh, meditation and apps and uh, stuff like this. But what helped me the most is actually writing stuff out. So I have uh, like a notepad sitting next to my bed. And just like if I get up, because most of the time, it's I, I found that it's racing and, and turning in my head because I th- I, I don't want to forget it. Like in a, if I write it down, like at least then I, I have the certainty that I will remember it in the morning. Um, and sometimes I wake up in the morning, look at the pad, and say like, "This is just nonsense. What did I write down here?" So uh, sometimes it's useless, but sometimes also there there are good ideas or good thoughts that I I'm glad to get back to. So putting a notepad to your bedside is maybe some one thing to, to cope with it, but it doesn't always help. Is there something more you want to highlight as 
negative aspects of the leaderships that you think the listeners should know from your perspective or are you are we done here for now I mean, if you are a founder, uh, you have to get used to the idea, a new time founder, then you have to get used to the idea that it's always your fault. <laughs> so uh, in the end, like it, it all stops with you. So even if you hired people to do the job and they don't like get it done, like it's on you. So that is something that you have to uh, wrap your head around. Uh, I am a founder now for the third or fourth time, depending on how you count. So, so I kind of knew this, but um, it's still mesmerizing to me that you can spend a lot of money on people. And then um, if, if uh, shit hits the fan, then still it is you that has to clean it up sometimes. So um, that isn't pretty always. So there is like definitely pieces of being a leader or um, times when you think it's much easier to just be an employee and uh, yeah, not worry as much about these things. But generally speaking, that is um, like, I, I still love, I still love it. I still like uh, being a leader a lot. You just said it, but I was going there. Otherwise, obviously, you are still here and leading in group sales. <laughs> so yeah, the positive aspects need to be stronger than the negative. Yeah, definitely. So I, I, I liked, like, I'm a very bad employee. I would say <laughs> I like um, to to um, be the master of my own destiny, and I like to um, like build something, like to craft something. It's not so much about the economics or the success financially. Obviously, that's a big reason for many people but like to me it's also about building something and and like being able to point at that and say hey i did this and look at us and we are now whatever like 330 people that doesn't come overnight it has been like 11 years in the making now so but but still it's it's a great feeling and i wouldn't miss that uh, for the world so this is like well how i draw my motivation i think these words should be the closing for the section of leadership and we move on now to a topic of your choice <laughs> sebastian now it's time for me to sip it a, a few minutes and let you talk about something that you are nerdy and passionate about and i and i and i would have would be would be a bad leader in terms of uh my my product if i wouldn't talk about um the space that we are in. I don't want to pitch you the product per se, because many people know about the value of data and the power that comes with it. But um, if you combine like data applications and AI, that is a really powerful thing. And I don't think that many people recognize this enough. Uh, and I wanted to spend a little time on, on, on giving you um, a few thoughts around this uh, narrative. So. Um, most companies these days are trying to find their business uh, with very old-fashioned ways. They are still doing, let's call it list building or um, manual outreach in, in, a, in a way that is very, um, very broad and blunt. Uh, and given that data is so readily available on the internet these days, um, people should look much more, uh, and, and business leaders, frankly, should look much more into what they can make of publicly available information about their customers and markets. And uh, one great thing where you can see this is if you have played with it, that chat GPT, uh, uh, chatbot, the AI attack, and you can basically ask uh, that tool everything and, and get a very interesting response that is compiled from public knowledge. And, and 
this shows you how the combination of data that is publicly available plus AI that can derive meaning from that data um, can be a very powerful tool in your in your basket. And I think specifically talking about sales and marketing in like three to five years, I, th I think leaders will uh, find out that it is much easier to have these AI companions in your belt and, and use them um, to do better outreach, uh, to craft better messaging, to get better targeting in terms of your ICP. And also, and this is what we are trying to build with our, our new platform, is to get a feedback loop in. So AI is very powerful in itself, but as you might know, like all AI is trained upon data and, and this training happens in terms of iterations. So you, you like first build a model and then the model in the beginning is very bad. And then you feed them, uh, feed the model basically uh, training data and say, hey, this is the intended outcome. And if you think about like sales and marketing, you can just say, okay, let's look at the customers, for example, that we have booked a demo with or that have bought our product or that have responded or clicked on our ads. And this is positive reinforcement, right? So with a web visitor intelligence technology like we have with Leadfeeder now, um, it is really possible to derive the the intent of the the visitor to your website and to feed that back into the model. And I think over time, and this is the vision we are working towards, these models and these platforms will evolve into something that is much more powerful and will serve the purpose of, of targeting your ideal customers much better than any person could do it manually. So I, I see a future where, where in many places, not only like electric uh, automatic cars, um, or, or other um, areas, but also in sales and marketing, um, this hybrid of AI and human interaction will become uh, the ruling model um, of, of the industry. And I'm very excited about that. And I could go on for an hour <laughs> talking about how we're trying to uh, tap into that. The topic of combination with uh, human workforce and AI has never been hotter than it is right now. And uh, Bastian, moving on, it's time to talk about KPIs. You can't have a SaaS podcast without tapping into KPIs, obviously. So I want to know now, which top KPIs on a company level are the most important for you? And if you also can add, why did you choose them? Otherwise, I will follow up with that. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the top KPI we are currently looking at is obviously ARR growth. So we are a recurring revenue business. So ARR, annual recurring revenue, is the metric that we want to optimize. Like we have been from the get-go, so 98% of all our revenue is a re is recurring, um, except from some setup fees and, and training fees that are one time. So uh, we want to grow that um, to be also uh, in the mix and valued as a SaaS, as a B2B SaaS company. So um, we are looking at growth rates um, specifically also because we feel like the European market in our space is not yet so, uh, vended enough. So at least we think that it's only like five to 10% vended and there is a really big blue ocean still um, to be uh, like adapting this type of technology and data. Um, I always compare this to like a smartphone. So if you have a great application, uh, like a smart, like the technology with apps, but you don't have the internet access, like the data plan for it, then it's only like 
almost worthless. And, and we try to build the same thing for the business. So the application and data coming together um, is what, what fuels our, our growth. And if, if companies um, choose to do that, it's not a data sell in the sense that you uh, buy something one time, but you're actually committing to a data plan for your entire business. And that's a recurring business model. And it, that's the better business model because with data, the data changes so often. And this is why we track ARR, obviously, and, and growth rate because of uh, the, the, the big blue ocean. Um, and then maybe the second is net revenue retention. I think everybody is focused on that. You want to be, that's the best metric in my opinion to see if customers are happy or not, because in the end it's if they open up their wallet still for the second time or third time, um, that really tells you what they think about your product. Like your NPS can be misleading if you have a high churn. Good. Yeah, I'm happy here. We move on to the segment of lifting in the community. Now it's time for an external question from a listener. And today it's from Stina Wernersson. And this is her question. Hi, Bastian. What would you say is the biggest challenge with working with AI today? Yeah, thank you, Stina, for that question. Um, and it is a very valid one as we look, as we have discussed before, at all of these great new technologies. Uh, in AI tech that are very consumer friendly now. So everybody uh, now understands uh, looking at DALI or Midjourney that an AI generating images that are, that are much more advanced than what a human could do in like a second or two is, is a great thing. But then also chat GPT-3 um, is very impressive because it not only can write like very uh, intelligible content, but also for example, code. So we have, to think about if um, like the, the knowledge working industry is actually totally disrupted by that tech. Uh, and the, the challenge with that is that two things, like one, one might overestimate what it actually can do because it's always, let's call it a remix. Like all of this is just like tapping into knowledge that is already out there and you have to make this knowledge accessible and that's the the second piece so uh, in in ai you always say like <laughs> very bluntly like shit in shit out so if you have bad training data you cannot build models that are that are doing a very good job um, so the biggest challenge to answer your question would probably be uh, to come up with uh, very good training data and to curate that to your individual workflow or model that you want to build um, and there is great pre-trained models out there, like GPT is, is, is obviously one of them, but then you have to adapt that to your field because not everything will be solved by a generalized model. So in our case, for example, we have models that are capable of using um, specific company uh, data types uh, to much better uh, create um classifiers to to for example determine the industry code or determine keywords that are um, valid for a certain company and and those are trained on very specific data sets so if you want to build a startup in ai um, i would actually build a, a startup focused on training data as and, and not on the technology itself it's much like in the gold rush where you want to say shovel sell shovels and pickaxes and not like uh, the actual uh, minds. <laughs> yeah, great input here. And Stina, thank you so much for a great question. 
love this part. Uh, but we need to move on. You're a busy man. Uh, and this leads us into the roundup. And with the roundup, we only have four questions left. And the first question always in the roundup is my VAM-oriented question, because uh, I'm building a, a sales tool too, but with the core video. So I want to collect data points from my guest, Bastian. Uh, so I want to know, what would you say is the best way to do a cold outreach to you? How would you like to get approach to get you, your interest and get you into a meeting? Yeah, don't don't call me on my personal cell phone when I'm sitting with my uh, family in the evening. So that would be an example of a bad outreach for me. Um, but if you are like uh, respectful and short in your outreach and ideally reach out through uh, some connection or get some warm introduction, that's obviously the, the top tier. And I will listen to uh, messages from people that I know much more than to people that I don't know. But in a sense, that's then um, playing it over uh, over the edge. But um, if you if you are really really well crafting your message and personalizing it a lot, and I'm not talking filling blank templates in your cadencing tool uh, with some kind of like field. Um, or job title, but actually making an effort to think about something that is meaningful for our company and, and using that to approach me, uh, then I will much rather listen. And you will not be able to send out 100 uh, messages per day then, but you will have much higher success rate and response rates. I can guarantee you that. So so make it personal and find something that is meaningful to um, like provide value to to the prospect. When you have a, a good, well-crafted message, would you say that a personalized video message would help the outreach? Definitely, because it shows that uh, there is effort that the person has uh, built into that. I think there's also these messages where they like print your name on something in the video, and then you can see that uh, in the, like on the thumbnail like instantly. So you, you, would, you would need to know that this is a personalized, crafted message and not some like can't uh, thing that goes out to hundreds of people at the same time. But then I think it has a lot of potential, yes. Nice. If you would give yourself, Bastian, when you were a younger CEO, one to top three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know, what would you tell yourself? So the first thing would be to don't start a business without customers. Like I learned that the hard way when... Um, you are like having this idea and then in the end you are a solution in search of a problem. So that doesn't like play well. So uh, before you incorporate, actually have like some kind of LOIs in place with some potential customers that sign a piece of paper saying, okay, once you have spun this up and once you provide that defined set of value, um, then we will buy from you for price X. And if you cannot manage to get at least five or 10 people to sign these LOI letters, then you might want to think about your business model because then you will run into the same problem after you have already done all the work. So even like building the product, I wouldn't even start building it uh, if you cannot sell the dream or sell the idea of it. So that is one. Um, and then the second piece is maybe something more personal. So the company, you, you work so much that you also have to think that the company has to work for you. So you're, you don't want to have a job. You want to be an entrepreneur. So, um, for example, in my case, I'm very bad in the mornings, as I've said before. So 
I, I made a rule to not make any decisions before 10 a.m. that are important. So I push out all the meetings that are important till after 10 a.m. because I need like the first two rounds of coffee to like wrap my head around uh, something. And, and this is a way of how I make my company work with me and for me um, so that I can be the best leader possible. I love, the, I love these two things. Wow. This second last thing is just me basically fishing for other cool guests. So I want to know which other two B2B SaaS CEOs are you inspired by or think are cool and doing great stuff that you would like to listen to if I would interview them? Yeah, then you should definitely interview Hanno Renner from Personio. He's building a great HR company and I have to like promote the German folks here a little bit. So that would be one that I would recommend. Except Hanno, I've heard in three times before and I'm chasing him. Who would you recommend? Philip maybe from AnyDesk. So we have uh, we have great colleagues here from Stuttgart, which is not that far away from where we are. AnyDesk is like um, a, a remote desktop sharing solution and, and they have had great success. So um, you should call call out to him. And this means that we have entered the last step, Bastian. I'm putting my fingers crossed uh, for you to give me and the listeners and both inspirational yet a concrete number answer here because I want to know where will Echobot, but then your new name, of course, that you won't tell me about, where will you be in five years? We are striving to be uh, north of 100 million in ARR um, in terms of size, but we also want to be the leading uh, sales and marketing intelligence platform in Europe and and really have thousands and thousands of customers like we already have almost 10,000 but probably maybe more and, and a big team of hopefully like let's call it a thousand people or more um, to be a driving force in, in the European go-to-market environment. I think that would be pretty cool and maybe then some IPO or some other interesting next step for the company. Like we rushed from 80, 100 to now 330 people in one and a half years. And it's been a wild ride, but it's just getting started somehow. It's like wild. <laughs> I wish you the best on your journey towards that. And with that said, I quickly shift the focus to you who has been listening to us. If you like what you heard from Bastian, please tell a friend or a colleague to listen to this episode with Bastian in B2B Saucios and Bastian. A huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes of your time together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thank you, Joseph. It was great fun. Yeah.